Good morning. In case you guys have already forgotten, Merry Christmas. I don't know if you know this, but it still is Christmas until January 6th. That's when the 12 days of Christmas are over. So until Epiphany, you can wish people Merry Christmas as much as you want. And if they look at you, just remember they're a Grinch at heart if they think it's silly, okay? And also, it's okay if you've not yet put your Christmas tree away or turned off your Christmas music because it is still Christmas, all right? Well, I am glad to be here with you on this last day of 2023. It's been a wild ride, a year full of good and bad and highs and lows and everything in between, and we made it. One more trip around the sun, here we are. And as I was preparing for today, you know, the the 31st is odd because it's the start, the end of one year and the start of the next. And people usually at this time of the year are looking at how do we become who we want to be and how do we change and set new goals and aspirations that I promise you by Tuesday, you'll probably have already failed at. Probably. Maybe you're the lucky few who will make it until Thursday. Okay. I'll give you that. But we set out with these grand ambitions. Who will we be and what will we do and how will it look? Most of the time, the reason they fail is because all of who we want to become rests on our willpower. And if it was up to my willpower, if that was the thing that was necessary and was actually effective, I could become whoever I want. But the reality is my willpower always leaves me longing because it always runs when things get hard, like going to the gym or eating healthy or going to bed at a reasonable time. There's just one more thing I wanted to do. So as I was thinking about today and what should we talk about as people are in this season of looking forward to who they're becoming and and longing for maybe somebody different than you were this last year, I was thinking back on this last year. And I thought where we started would be a good place to end. See, if you've been with the church for a while, and this church specifically, you'll know that here in this place, we believe that following Jesus is about living in such a way that we organize our life to learn how to be with him, how to experience his goodness and his faithfulness and his presence in all things. Because we believe that the more we spend time with Jesus, the more that we begin to become a little bit more like him. That those parts of us that are not so good and lovely begin to be chiseled away by His grace and His kindness and His mercy. And we slowly, over a lifetime, are transformed more and more into His image and less in ours. And as we become a little more like Jesus, we get to learn to love our neighbor as He loves them. To love ourselves as He loves us to give of ourselves and all that we are and all that we do so that over time we begin by nature, not by willpower, to do the very things that God is doing and would do if He were you. And we believe in this place that the way in which we spend time with Jesus and become like Him and do the stuff He does is through purposeful habits and practices. Practices that we choose to say, this will help shape me into somebody new. This is why at this time of the year, most resolutions have something to do with doing something different. 
And my favorite resolution that I hear every year is this year I resolve to make no resolutions, which in and of itself breaks your resolution. We often set out with these big goals, I'm going to go and be scheduled and disciplined and do this stuff. But most of the time with our New Year's resolutions, they're all about practices I'm doing in my strength, and we think we just need to try harder and do better. But we believe that following Jesus is not about trying harder and doing better. It's about every day doing something to surrender more and more to him. Say, okay, God, yesterday I really blew it, but today is yours. Today I'm going to come back not to trying, but to practicing. Practice is an invitation to growth, not an expectation of having everything right already. And so we started this year as a church practicing prayer. What does it look like to pray? Every one of us in some capacity has prayed at some point or another. Maybe it was a simple prayer, God help me pass this test, or help me win this lottery, or please help my football team suck less in the coming year. Something simple like that. Or maybe our prayers were a little more lost and confused. God, I have no idea right now. I don't know where to turn or what to do, and life is a mess. Sometimes our prayers are simply groans where we don't even have words to articulate what we're thinking and what we're feeling. And as we started the year with prayer, we set out to say that when we purposefully practice prayer, it invites us to learn to experience God differently. See, if you're brand new to prayer and you don't do it often except for those dire times of crises, when we begin praying, we first learn to talk to God And we treat them like this arbitrary vending machine in the sky, like, God, here I am, here's my needs, here you go. But the more we begin to practice prayer, the more we begin to talk with God, to slow down and say, God, what is it you want to talk about? What is it you want to do in me? Where am I not quite who I thought I was that you want to begin to change? So we first start talking to God, we learn to begin to talk with God, and then over time, we begin to listen to God. See, our God's not silent. It's rare that we hear an audible voice in the sky or see a burning bush, though we joked this morning about putting candles under this Christmas tree so that we'd actually have a burning bush, but decided the fire department would say no to that. It's rare that we have these really big, flashy moments where God speaks, But oftentimes he speaks in the still smallness, the quietness of our hearts, the thing that keeps coming back to mind that we can't shake. Often he speaks through the wisdom of others that we're not eager to listen to. He speaks through his word that he reminds us day in and day out of his faithfulness, his goodness, his plans for you and for me. So when we learn to practice prayer over time, we learn to listen. God, maybe I have less to say than you do, and I should just sit and be quiet. And in that quiet, you and I, through the practice of prayer, learn how to be with God. We sing at Christmas about Emmanuel, God with us. We sing about how God has taken on flesh and become one of us for our sake. And yet most of the time, 
We run through our daily lives thinking God is someplace else and I just need to do a little more now. If I could only finish this workload, if I could only do another load of laundry, if I could only one more thing, then I'll stop and be with God. When we practice the habit of prayer, we begin to discover that God is with us in all things. And that trip to the grocery store becomes not just an errand you need to do, but an opportunity to see God at work through the smiles you share and the love that you show and the conversations that you have. That coworker at work who drives you nuts. If you don't have them, it's probably you. Just a warning. You begin to see when God is with you in all things, the opportunity to love them even with their flaws. Not so that you can change them, but because God loves them just as they are right now. And when we begin to experience God with us all the time, we find in the most bizarre moments peace that surpasses understanding, joy in the midst of our grief, comfort when we are filled with sorrow. We find God with us is always good. So today as we dive into Scripture, we're going to look at this practice of prayer once more. We're going to look at two individuals who prayed and prayed and prayed. And for the longest time, their prayers were not answered. If you'd like to join and read along with me, we will be in Luke chapter 2. If you're using the blue Bibles in the pews in front of you or along the walls upstairs, it's on page 1070. Luke chapter 2. Now just a little heads up. For those of you who really pay close attention to the chronology of Scripture, I'm jumping the gun a little bit here, okay? Because if Christmas happened last week, the story we're reading today really doesn't happen for another like seven weeks in Jesus' life. Because it happens when he's 40 days old. Right now, in the celebration of his birth, we're only a week out. But, you know, forgive me for being excited to jump the gun a little bit. Ready? Luke chapter 2. Page 1070. And when the time came for the purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Just to set the stage, in the Old Testament, there was a law that everything belonged to the Lord. And to remember that everything came from the Lord, you would give the first fruit, that is the first that comes from anything, to the Lord. So if you harvested your crops, you'd give the beginning portion to the Lord. If you had a a whole bunch of animals, you'd give the first to the Lord in sacrifice. Now, the Bible's never been a, a fan of child sacrifice, so that's never the option. But even the firstborn of the family was to be offered to the Lord, not through sacrifice, but through a presentation in the temple, where they'd bring them forward and they'd bring a sacrifice on behalf of that child and say, God, let my firstborn, and by extension, everyone that follows, be devoted fully to you. Let my whole lineage be about you. So Joseph and Mary following the law and fulfilling the Old Testament, bring Jesus 40 days later 
into the temple to offer the sacrifice. That's where we're at. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, just pause for a moment there. It's been 400 years since God spoke up until the, the Lord spoke through the angels about the birth of John the Baptist and then Jesus. For 400 years, there was silence. And yet for Simeon, in his time of prayer, the Holy Spirit made known to him that he would not die until he saw God's promises fulfilled. Until he saw the Christ, the one they had been longing for for hundreds of years before his very eyes. I wonder if he ever told that to anybody else. Like, have you ever had something you just felt was from the Lord? Like, clearly God is saying or doing something, and I just want to share it, and you share it with somebody, and they don't share the same excitement? I think I'm supposed to move across country. Like, (laughs) I don't think you should. I think I'm supposed to take a new job. No, that's a really terrible decision. I think I'm supposed to marry this person. Are you sure? It's not too late to back out if you're not yet wed. I wonder if Simeon ever shared this with his friends and family. I just feel like the Lord is showing me that someday before I die, I will see this promised Christ who was promised 800 years ago, who was promised all the way back in Genesis, this one we've been longing for all of our days and not yet seen. And I wonder if he shared that and his family said, that's absurd. We all hope to see it, but none of us know we will. Surely God's not said you're anything special that you would hear this. But the Lord had revealed that he would see the Christ. And so he is righteous and devout. And he prays. In verse 27, And he came in the Spirit into the temple, And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said. That's not what he said. He said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. That is Joseph and Mary. They walk into the temple to do what is honoring to the Lord to bring their firstborn and offer a sacrifice on his behalf. And here's this random stranger, Simeon, this dude in the temple who just takes their baby, says, now I can be filled with peace. For God has let me see this promise for the Gentiles. And I wonder if for Mary and Joseph, as they marveled at these words, I wonder what they were thinking. Like they knew this was the Son of God, an angel had told them, Mary definitely knew, Joseph knew in some capacity. And yet, here this man who for an undisclosed amount of time 
had been faithfully seeking the Lord, waiting for the day in which he would see the Christ. He sees their baby and immediately he recognizes this is the Christ, the one we've been longing for. Continues, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. I love this moment because it's easy to pass right over. He takes this baby and he blesses it and says, Thank you, God. Finally, I have seen all that you have promised. And then he blesses Mary and Joseph with a blessing that's also a little bit of a heartache. Look, this child will be a sign that many people oppose, and your heart will be pierced with a sword. Basically, he's saying this child will prove that he's the Christ in a way that nobody really expects and wants and is ready for, and it will bring you great pain as his parents. What a blessing. And yet, we know this child does just that. The sign he offers is the sign of Jonah that three days he's in the tomb. A sign that all his disciples said, surely you won't die, you're the Christ. You won't die, you're the promised one. Of course these things can't be true. A sign opposed by many who don't like the idea of God who suffers on our behalf who don't like the idea of grace, that it has nothing to do with you or with me. Nothing to do with our willpower or our strength or our ability to just try harder. This child brought into the temple will be a sign that will pierce their heart. If you remember, Mary was there as Jesus died, watching and waiting. Mary was there at the tomb seeking to bury him, but instead finding him resurrected as he promised. But then Luke does something wonderful in the story. See, it would have been enough if we just had the prayers of this one man answered. For who knows how long in his life he waited. When will I see these promises fulfilled? But then we get another thing, a second story of a woman who prays. See, as I've said before, every time Luke shares something really significant, he always includes the same thing happening with a woman. In part, because in that day and age, women were deemed less valuable than men. And every time he follows it up with a story of it happening to a woman, he's teaching a message, this good news we hold is not just for the way things are. It's not just for what you think and expect. No, this good news is for all people in every tribe and every tongue and every nation, even men and women. This good news is for all of us. So there's a story of Simeon who's waited in prayer with the promise that he would see the Lord. And then comes this story. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phineal, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow, 
until she was 84. And just pause there for a moment. Did you, did you catch that? For seven years she was married, and in that day and age, you got married younger than a lot of people do today. So at some point, probably in her mid-twenties, her husband died. And until she was 84, she was a widow. That's a really big deal. Because the way the culture worked, and even the Old Testament commanded, was that it was the responsibility of the family to care for a widow. And the biggest way you could care for a widow was if, they died, if their spouse died young, quickly remarrying them to somebody else. To bring in a new family who can care for this widow indefinitely. For some reason, unknown to us, though her husband died when she was young enough to remarry, she remained a widow until she was 84. Most of her life, widowed possibly dependent upon her family of origin, possibly dependent upon begging for assistance, possibly dependent upon the church and its generosity through the temple to serve and help and assist her. For most of her life, she has waited and waited and waited. She did not depart from the temple Worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. It's really tempting when we pray and when we seek the Lord to quit when we don't get the answer we're looking for. When it's been a long time and we just keep praying and our prayers continue to not be answered or to be delayed, to just move on and to pray for something else. Or to get bitter and angry and just quit altogether. For perhaps some 60 years, certainly more than 50, day and night she continued to come before the Lord in prayer. For what? We don't know. Was it for this very moment that she would see the salvation of the people, that she'd be there when Christ comes? Was it for this moment? I don't know. Was her prayer for a spouse who would care for her? For a family who would support her? Was it a prayer of sorrow and anguish with the pain of losing a husband when she was young? I don't know. But day and night for almost 60 years, she did not depart from this place of prayer, from this place of fasting and seeking God and saying, what do you have in store, Lord? What's next? And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. I love this story because apart from these three or four verses, we know nothing of Anna's life. But what we do know is that for 60 years, she prayed. Time and time again, continuing as a widow in a culture that would have seen something wrong with her. Why can't you get remarried? You're young enough, you should. And yet she prayed earnestly. And upon seeing Jesus and seeing Simeon and seeing all that was happening, she begins to tell everybody about this God who's promised redemption. This God who's promised to restore that which is broken. 
This God who's promised to make right what is wrong, to fix what is not right, He is promised to be enough for you and for me. As we look back on this last year, maybe you're ending this year in a place of sorrow. You're looking back on this last year saying, God, where were you? Why did you not do the things I asked or I hoped for or I desperately needed? Maybe you're looking forward saying, God, there's things I've been asking for years. A spouse I don't have. A child I can't have. Friends or family, a life I've longed for. God, I've been asking for years. And you just are answering. Whether you're ending this year in a place of sorrow or looking forward in a place of longing or maybe you're in a place where things are great and you're just tired. Tired of asking God for anything because He seems to do what He wants anyway. So what's the point in asking? For whatever reason or whatever state you're in as we end this year, this is what I want to encourage you with. Wherever you're at, wherever you've been, whatever comes in 2024. And I almost am certain it'll be a doozy of a year because we seem to be in a climate and a culture where every single week is a new doozy of a year. It just is. Whatever may come, will you pray anyway? If things are really good, praise and give thanks. If things are really hard, pray because God has promised to answer. He's promised that we have an intercessor, Jesus himself, who prays on our behalf when we don't know what to say. He's promised that he will bring redemption and salvation and a light to the whole world. So if we can't see it just yet, keep praying. If you don't feel it just yet, Keep praying. Whether it takes just a couple of weeks or months or 60 years, keep praying. Because I believe wholeheartedly that when we devote ourselves to prayer in the good, in the bad, in the highs, in the lows, in whatever may come, we, like Simeon, can say, Lord, let your servant depart in peace. For whatever may come, God is with us. God is faithful and he is good. And our eyes in Jesus get to see his salvation. That he's prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you. At times we are tired and weary and worn out from prayer. As the psalmist says, our pillow is drenched with tears. Day and night we cry out. Lord, we ask like Anna that you would give us the steadfastness to keep seeking you. God, we thank you for Simeon who was given a promise that his eyes would see your coming in a world when nobody 
knew he was coming, when many probably believed it was still delayed and further off. God, like Simeon, may we seek you and trust in your promises and believe that you will do what you have spoken, even when right now we don't always see it. God, as we look forward to this year to come, may we be a people who center our lives in prayer, seeking you with praise and thanksgiving for all that is good, with trust and hope and peace and joy in all that is bad. God, through our prayer, may you teach us to love as you have loved, to serve as you serve, to stand firm on the foundation that is faith in Jesus. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Emily promised I'd give you a little update of where we're at with our Cultivate community. Over the last seven weeks or so, we have been, as a church, talking about the reality that this building may not be our long-term home. Though we still hope our landlord changes his mind, at the end of our lease in uh, 2025, we may be moving someplace else. And to help us prepare for what that might look like, over these last several weeks, we have uh, taken time to talk about how do we raise funds to look at all the possibilities, to cover the cost and rent that has gone up unexpectedly, so that while we're here, we can make the most of it. And we set a goal of $50,000 above and beyond our normal giving before midnight tonight, before the end of the year. So far, I am overjoyed to share that we have received just shy of $41,000 towards that goal. That's huge. And not received, we have received pledged an additional $3,000. That puts us really, really close to our total goal. And our hope is that every person who calls this place their home would say, I may not be able to do everything, but I can do something. I can participate in some way to say, how do I help move this church forward to where it's headed? And so our second goal is 100% participation. Everyone who calls this place their home, doing something towards that ultimate goal. So if you have already made a gift towards that end, thank you. If you have not yet made a gift towards helping us reach that goal of a 100% participation, I want to invite you today to do so. Along with your normal offering, if you prefer to give with cash or check, you can do so in the black boxes in the back as you exit. If you filled out one of those teal cards that says connect, with the way that we can pray with you or connect with you this week, you can place those in the boxes as well. And if you're somebody who prefers to do everything online, you can give at thepointknox.com by clicking the little teal button in the bottom corner. However you give and whatever you give, know this. We don't give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. Now with that, I'm going to invite Michelle on up here. We only had, I think, one question, but she'll look in case you want to get any last-minute questions in. It's not too late. And I forgot to grab a microphone, and I think they cleared them all off the stage. So... Uh, We'll grab one, or you can just talk really loudly, and I'll repeat the question. How's that sound? All right, so I think this first one here, there we go. What questions came in today, Michelle? So if God already has a plan for each of us,
could asking for things be a snub against those plans? If God already has a plan for each of us, could asking for things be a snub against his plan? I don't think so. I love to give my kids good gifts, and sometimes they ask for things and I say no because they don't need cookies and M&Ms and ice cream for breakfast. And other times I say yes because it's fun to give them ice cream for breakfast every now and then. And so I think when it comes to God and asking God for things, everything we ask is according to his will. It says, God, I don't want you to do what I want. I want my desires to be in align with what you're already doing. I want my heart and my needs and every place where I'm at to be surrendered to you. So I think asking him for them, because we are not all-knowing and all-powerful, is not snubbing him in any way. It's actually placing our trust in him. God, I cannot do these things on my own, so will you do them in me and through me and for me? So I encourage, ask and keep asking and trust he will provide. Usually his answer is yes, no, or I have something better in mind, just wait. And that's the one I usually like the least because it takes the longest to discover it. Anything else that came in? Um, so just an announcement. Next Sunday starts the Exodus Bible study in the tap room. So first week is meet and greet and I'm passing out the book. It's a 9.15 start time. So it's the Exodus Bible study next Sunday. Yeah, Exodus at 9.15 is going to be exciting. I've been looking through the materials. And I'm really, really looking forward to it. So if you would like to join a Bible study to start your year learning how to spend time in the Word, it's a great place to do so, 9.15 to 10.15, uh, upstairs back there. Also, next week after church, if you love all of these Christmas decorations and you want them to stay up year-round, well, good news, they'll be there until next Sunday after church. So you have one more week. And if you're like, it's after Christmas, Adam, let's get rid of these decorations, Stick around next Sunday, and after church, we're going to take all the decorations down, and we would love for your help. Anything else? Questions? That's it. You guys were fairly simple today. Thank you for that. Michelle, thank you for helping with these questions. Hey, buddy. Give me just a moment, okay? Church, as you prepare to go today, as you prepare to go into the new year, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a good week and a happy new year. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.